Yes, people. Oh my god, going back to 2003 for some classic dip set music. What, what? All right, it's the episode 48 of Echo Chamber, people. So let's get to it. This is the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 12th to the 14th of July. All right, at number 10, The Dead Don't Die. At number 9, Stubber. At number 8, The Queen's Corgi. At number 7, Midsummer. Looks freaky. Not sure I can go see it. I can't lie. At number six, we got Secret Cinema's screenings of Casino Royale. At number five, still in the top ten, Aladdin. At number four, Yesterday. At number three, Annabelle Come Home. At number two, Toy Story 4. And still killing it at number one, as expected, Spider-Man Far From Home And people, I can say this That my friend went to see it And she very much enjoyed it So, boom What more can I say? Alright, two reviews this week uh, So let's get to it, right? Okay, people, before we get to our film reviews, um, bit of news for you. So Trafalgar releasing are um, pleased to announce that um, coming to cinemas in October is their new film, Roger Waters, Us Plus Them. Uh, it was filmed in Amsterdam on the European leg of his highly successful and critically acclaimed 2017-18 world tour, Us Plus Them. The film will be screened in 2,500 plus cinemas across 60 countries around the world on October the 2nd. And the sixth, but only those two dates, people. So, um, you know, the tickets are on sale now. So, if you want to go see it, you probably want to snap those up. Roger Walters, co founder and creative force behind Pink Floyd, with visionary director Sean Evans. Brings to the screen the live story of Us Plus Them to inspire you with its powerful music and message of human rights, liberty and love. The film features songs from Walter's legendary Pink Floyd albums, The Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, Animals, Wish You Were Here, as well as his last album, Is This The Life We Really Want? The tour saw Walters perform a total of 156 shows to 2.3 million people 
throughout the North America, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, Russia, Latin America and Mexico. I don't know why Russia was separated from Europe because Russia is actually in Europe, people. <laughs> and he said, I'm so lucky, looking forward to the launch of the movie in October, Us Plus Them, is not standard rock and roll fare. Some in the audience may yee-haw, which is okay, but many will weep. That is what I hope for Us Plus Them, is a call of, to action. Homo sapiens stand at a crossroads. We can either pull our love, develop our capacity to emphasize with others and act collectively for the good of our planet. Or we can remain comfortably numb and continue like blind lemmings on our content homicidal death march towards extinction. Us plus them is a vote for love and life. Interesting, Roger. Interesting. But, yes. It's it's being screened only on the 2nd, which is Wednesday, the 2nd of October, and Sunday, the 6th of October. It will be available in Dolby Atmos. And if you are interested, all the links and the follow information will be in the episode notes. So check that out if you are a, a fan of Roger Waters, if you're a fan of Pink Floyd, if you're just a fan of good music, people, check it out. So I missed it on its theoretical release. But in the build-up to its digital and DVD release on the 22nd and the 29th of July, I was able to finally watch the British independent film Eaten by Lions. Now, this is the second feature film from director Jason Wingard. Jason wrote the film alongside David Isaacs. And it is starring uh, Antonio Akil, Jack Carroll. They're in the leading roles. Then we've got Azim Chadri, Johnny Vegas, Darshan Jawili, Nitti Gantry, Vicky Pepperdine, Kevin Eldon, and... Um, Natalie Davis and Sarah Howell. So the gist of the film is this. Uh, Omar and Pete are half-brothers. When their grand passes away, they go on a life-changing road trip to find Omar's birth father. Armed with a biscuit tin containing a birth certificate, a photograph and their deceased mother's diary. The pair of likely lads head on a quest that will change their lives forever. Along the way, they meet a dodgy fortune teller, their racist aunt and uncle, and a seedy guest house owner. What could possibly go wrong? 
What follows is a hilarious journey of self-discovery and true meaning of family, set amongst the bright lights of Blackpool. So yeah, that's the gist. And it's just like, hmm, how is this all going to come together? That's the big, um, that's the big thinking. And I think they utilise several different things. So in it, like, Omar likes to draw. So they kind of frame a lot of scenes with one of his pictures to kind of open things up. And then we break into the scene. Or... um. Yeah, you'll you'll see uh, a piece of this old memorabilia that kind of leads to a flashback, something like that, you know, which is isn't a bad way, actually, of kind of getting into some of these kind of topics and trying to kind of unfold the story that's in front of us. It's um. Like, one of the curious things is, I guess, how everything kind of comes together. Like, how Omar and Pete are um, living with their gran. How they're, you know, kind of... Ooh, orphans? I guess orphans would be the word. Because, yeah, their mother's dead. Um... Then their grand's dead. So, yeah, I guess orphan would be the word. Um, because we're not quite... Like, you, it's not until really close to the end that the title of the film actually kind of connects with everything. And you're like, oh, I see. But it doesn't really... I think maybe the title doesn't do the film enough justice really but you know we're we're kind of going into it like gauging okay so now they're in this situation and like what do they do you know how well do they get on like what's this what's the support systems what's the dynamics and everything like that which I think their relationship you kind of establish it that's you know that's kind of laid out pretty much straight away which you know isn't a bad thing and it helps you with the rest of the narrative of the film some of the things in the film are a bit like I guess it's a bit simple, you know, in a a lot of the depictions, you know, and some of the scenarios that we face. Like, when we meet um, the racist aunt, I mean, I'm not sure the uncle is racist. I just, you just feel the uncle's a bit henpicked and he can't stand up for themselves but um yeah when you 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 come across that it's a bit like okay well I mean it's a bit 
it's a simple thing you know it's a simple device to utilize to kind of take the, the film somewhere yeah and, and you know, we've seen it before so it, it's not really overly inventive and then we kind of hit these other things and you're just like okay i mean this is fine but it's like the race and yeah like the race and the situation become these big things of the film which is very interesting because um jason wingard the director's you know he happened to say this the story is essentially about the importance of family i wanted the viewer to forget about incidentals such as race or disability and focus on the characters it's an attitude we apply to everyone in the film really the story deals with big contemporary issues class diversity disability interracial relations foster and adoption sexuality love life and death in a sharp and often irreverent way a comedy with heart without skimping on laughs now the interesting thing is i think these are good aspirations to have right but i'm not sure they're all met because I think Pete's disability is a big part of the film and it's utilised a lot within the film. Like the race is again, it's a big factor in the film because we've got the racist aunt and then the kind of weird disconnect when Omar kind of goes and meets his father's family. You know, so these are big things. These are very big things. So it's a bit like, ah, you know, class doesn't really come into it. I Like, you don't really notice this class aspect, you know, which, which is one of the things. And the foster and adoption, the sexuality... That's not really there. You know, like, there's there's the mention of adoption. But it's very throwaway. You know, it's a device that is used to kind of force Omar to go and look for his father. That That's what that seems to be. Um, I mean, when... Um, you know, you're taking race out of it, really. It's when, um, I guess, when Omar uh, meets Amy. You know, that's um, a situation that is just kind of born from two people meeting, talking, and I guess forming a connection. And so race isn't, really mentioned in that which is a good you know that's a good thing that's promising uh and i guess when omar meets 
he's um you know he's he he's his dad that family don't really bring race into it it's just that the race is a big thing at the very beginning of the film you know which is a bit like ah you know like look the these are devices that we have seen many a time in this um in this sort of film you know which yeah i i i got the feeling like and you know i could be wrong right but it seemed that this was a um this was written for laughs rather than written as this kind of heartfelt story with funny moments you 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 understand the difference there you know is that they were all it was like when you see certain people and you watch certain tv and films and there's these gaps that are left for the audience to laugh in and that's uh, you know, it, you kind of got that vibe here that, yeah, this was written in this way because they want you to laugh all the way through it rather than it's just this thing, this story about, you know, kind of loss, um, discovery, love, family that ha- that just happens to have these funny moments in it and I wish it had been that you know I wish it had been kind of a bit more heartfelt rather than just these kind of um played out kind of contrived moments which you know don't get me wrong, there, there are jokes in this, there are definitely a lot of funny moments in this, it's, it's just, yeah, I think the sentiment doesn't, it doesn't always hit, you know, there's a few moments that you think, oh, that's that was kind of nice, but it's it's just... They're a bit few and far between. Or they get a bit trampled by then a false joke. Which is a big shame. You know. I I, I felt that there could have been more to it. You know. It, it could have been something that really resonated. You know. With the fact being that. Yeah, love does transcend, um, you know, race and background. You know, that's not the the driving force. You know, it, it it's just the heart. The heart is what the heart is. You know, if you meet someone that you bond with, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, how tall they are colour their skin is and all of that bullshit you know 
So that message, I think, could have been stronger, could have had been more impactful. But it, yeah, it kind of wasn't. And I think they may, like, I think they maybe tried to get that with Pete and Parveen. But the only problem was, like, the disability was really used a lot in that situation. So it was just a bit like, ah, again, it was one of these like situations that got kind of trampled by trying to shoehorn the humour into it. But um, I I feel that if you, I guess if you like things like Bend It Like Beckham, this is a very similar, very similar film. In in a sense of the humour and the kind of racial barriers and that kind of aspect of things. So yeah, I I think that's a good barometer to what you will um get from this. But um yeah, so it's going to be available on digital uh from the 22nd of July. Uh and you know as normal it's going to be um it's pretty much the same so 9.99 for digital download and um you'll be able to get it from the you know just usual places iTunes Sky Store Amazon Google Play uh Tom TV, Virgin Media, all of that. Uh, and then the DVD comes out on the 29th of July, and that will be £10. And you'll be able to get it again in the usual places Sainsbury's, Asda, Amazon, Tesco, and maybe a HMV if you can find one floating around. Um, it's 12A, 99 minutes. Again, it's uh, Jason Wingard's second directorial feature, and it is starring Antonia Kell, Jack Carroll, Azam Chaudhry, Johnny Vegas, Darshan Jawala, Niti Gantra, Vicky Pepperdine, uh, Kevin Eldon, Sarah Horry. And um, Natalie Davis. And that's eaten by lions, people. You know, if you do like you know, British independent comedy, um, yeah, this this could be for you. As I said, look, if you like the humour in Bend It Like Beckham, if you like the sentiment of Bend It Like Beckham, this plays very true to that. But also thinking about it, the humour is kind of akin to um, your Peg Frost fair. So hot fuzz, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, if that's your humour, then hey, you probably want to go check out Eaten by Lions, okay? All right.
great stuff. Okay, so the second film this week is Papi Chulo, which is the third directorial feature from John Butler. It stars Matt Boomer, who plays Sean, Alejandro Patino, who plays Ernesto, Elena Campbell Martinez, and Darcy Carden. The gist of the film is this. Cast adrift in Los Angeles, Sean, a lonely TV weatherman, drives past a middle-aged Latino migrant worker standing outside a hardware store looking for work. He decides to hire this kind-looking man to be his friend. Sean is young, gay and white. Ernesto, portly, straight and married. Despite having nothing in common and a language barrier, they build a sort of friendship until Sean becomes consumed with a deeper obsessive need. And uh, yeah, which I think that that does sum this up pretty well, actually. I think the the one thing that's odd about this film, and not the film itself, but I think the marketing of the film is it it it's set up as a comedy. I wouldn't say this is a comedy. Like there are some like amusing kind of funny, charming moments. But that's just um, little side notes within the greater film, you know. I wouldn't, I think by by saying it's a comedy, you're levelling a lot of expectation on the film. And you're also taking away from the film. Because at its core, it's this sweet tale of someone struggling to get over loss, you know, struggling to now find their their place in the world and kind of using something to focus on that and to try and, you know, if I can fix this, then I fix me type of thing and then all the confusion that comes with that so yeah I, I think that's what this film really is it's not a comedy um, and yes we, so we see Sean and we understand he's lonely we understand something has happened like a, a split from his partner because, you know, that's how this film kind of starts with a bit of a breakdown. And it forces him to, I guess, kind of look at where he's living and try and make some changes. So he's not reminded of his ex all the time. So this is what we're seeing. And... So as the film kind of, you know, develops and builds, you do wonder what some, why, you know, why there's some of these actions, you know, and like why things are playing out in the way they're playing out. And I think it's only towards the 
end, like really the very end, that then you get a bit more clarity on the situation. And now it all makes sense. You know what I mean? It all makes perfect sense. I do wonder if that clarity should have been afforded to the viewer a bit earlier. Because I think then, you you know what I mean? You, you can really immerse yourself in some of the situations. Because some situations you think, okay, that's, yeah, that's tough. But if you know the full picture, you can be like, right, no, I fully understand why they would do this and how then that would lead to that and bum, bum, bum. You know, so I, I, I think that should have been something and because it's not really something that needs to be a reveal at the end. You know, I think the story is still sweet and nice and can play out without you know, with with a different kind of thing to draw it to a close. But that being said, like, I don't think it damages the film, really. Yeah, I don't think it greatly damages it. There's a little bit of confusion, yes, but I think that's essentially it. Um... Because, yeah, we're navigating this thing and we're trying to, I think, walk in the shoes of Sean and work out what's going on. But I think you do get to a point where you kind of see the f- uh, a thing that happens happening, you know. I, I, I think that that moment was... You didn't need to be Nostradamus to kind of go, okay, this thing, uh, something's going to happen. It's just a matter of when that thing happens. So, yeah, you, you kind of have that. I, it w- I think sometimes maybe getting a bit more of a sense of the feelings that Sean is experiencing would be good and possibly then the reverse on Ernesto as well because we do get um some moments of Ernesto kind of going mm, like what's going on and then he has a conversation with his wife but that that, that you know what I mean that the conversation with the wife the face of face conversation in life is just once and there's just two I think two phone calls so I think a little bit more of that because it then shows these the, these kind of polar opposite um interpretations of a situation that is really interesting you know so I think that would have been it would have been good to have a bit more of that because then you really kind of get a feel of what Sean is really going through. You know, because you get a little glimpse and then at the end you're like, okay, right, I fully understand now. 
So yeah, I, I think adding a bit more would have given you um yeah, a bit more connection to Sean. Uh there's a there's a nice moment in in a taxi. There's a the moment in the taxi really transcends language and barriers and everything like that and it is nice. It is a nice little moment that I think helps solidify the situation. But yeah, then then we get the moment that you kind of saw telegraphed a while back. Um but yeah, no, this is this is this is good. Like more could have probably been done with the um oh I, I, I uh Cancenera? I think is it a, I don't know. I think it might have been a Cancenera. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. But they're kind of I think it's like the coming of age party. I think more could have been done about that. Definitely more could have been done about that. Because, yeah, it did feel that some moments had been edited down, you know, that we there was more to a scene and we weren't getting the full picture sometimes, which is a shame because, yeah, there's, there's these moments that felt that they should be bigger. You know, or they should play into these other things, but it doesn't. But I would say, all in all, this is a nice film. Um, I think if you liked stuff like, um, like The Station Agent or Lars and the Real Girl, um, Me Without You, like, it's not for the content of those films but I think the sentiment and the feel of those films this is similar this is a similar kind of tilt to it so if you enjoy that kind of vibe that kind of pace I think um yeah Pappy Pappy Chulo could be the film for you so it's available on digital download on um yeah monday the 22nd of july uh you can get it from all the usual places itunes amazon google sony sky all of that it's 5.99 standard and 5.99 hd so that's not bad, right? It's uh, 98 minutes and it's rated, um, it's rated 15. So, uh, yeah, that's Papi Chulo uh, and it's from John Butler, starring Matt Boomer, Alejandro Patino, Elena Campbell Martinez and Darcy Carden. All right. Okay, people. So we're drawing to the end of another episode. Just a little bit of news this week. So, um, 
Space Jam 2. There's been a lot of non-talk really about this. Things might be moving forward because um, word has come that Terence Nantes has um, stepped away from the film. Like, supposedly, it was creative differences, but he he left amicably from the studio and the project. So, stepping in to replace him is Malcolm D. Lee. Um, probably, you know, I, I, I think maybe Night School might be one of his most recent popular films uh so yeah i I don't know um and i think filming is still expected to kind of get underway this summer so like probably next month i'd imagine um and they're still using the script from sev Ohanian and Ryan Coogler. Uh, and the film is still starring LeBron James. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's due to be released July 2021. So we'll see what happens. And if, you know, any more issues arise with this one. Um... In some surprising news, another film that has been, I guess, bouncing around for a good while with a lot of start-stopping, start-stopping is um, the Mattel Warner Brothers Barbie movie. So, word has just come that Greta Gerwig and Noah Birnbach are um yeah they're gonna write the script for this film which i don't think anyone would have expected you know what i mean when you say barbie movie you don't connect Ger- gerwig and Burnaback. you know what i mean <laughs> i i think films like um Ah, the Squid and the Whale and Ladybird seem polar opposite to this movie, but it, it could maybe um, create something refreshingly different. Who knows? Uh, there is also talk that um, Gerwig may come on as director for the film as well. So... Um, yeah, this is interesting, man. Very, very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Lastly, hey, we it's San Diego this week, right? And we all are, are waiting eagerly the announcements on Phase 4 of the MCU. Well, one bit of news that has kind of come up is the fact that um, Tahiki Watiti, who um, killed it with Thor Ragnarok, well, he supposedly has signed on 
to write and direct a fourth entry in the fourth franchise, which does kind of um, connect with a lot of chatter earlier in the year that Watiti had um, approached Marvel with an idea to continue the franchise with a full film. So, um, yeah, that could be... You know, if it's anything like Ragnarok, hey, can't wait, right? Uh, so, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. But, like, also word has come that... Um, Watiti's adaptation of Akira is on hold indefinitely. Now, no one knows if it's because he decided to do four or if something else came up and put Akira on hold. So then he was just like, eh, you know what? Fuck it. Let me go and make another um, four film happen. Who knows, you know? But yeah, that, that's the word. That's the word. So, um, yeah, a lot happening, right? A lot going down. Um, one other little bit of news, okay, that came um, just this week. So, um, Amanda Inanucci's The Personal History of David Copperfield is going to be um, having its European premiere on the opening night of this year's BFI London Film Festival, which is, yo, that's really great news, right? So, um, the film starring Dev Patel, Tilda Swinton, Hugh Laurie, Peter Capaldi, Ben Whishaw, Paul Whitehouse, and um, Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, yeah, I mean, very much looking forward to this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be the 2nd of October at the, um, the newly refurbished Odeon Lux Leicester Square. Um, so, yeah check for um september for these tickets i think will go and sell to general public now um, they're gonna go for members before then so if you're not a member of the bfi might be a time to join all right well people that's it for this week tune in next week for some more films and chatter um yeah enjoy your weekend peace